0: I'm with Josh Paquette. He's a branch manager for the Davy Tree Expert Company in Washington, D.C., Maryland area. Lou Meyer, you might remember his name. I think he's been on the podcast more than anybody else. He's a regional business developer for Davy. And today we're kicking off a series of interviews about some of the historic and
1: interesting places that Davy takes care of. How are we doing, guys? Doing great. Happy to be here. Doing wonderful. I'm glad to be back. Good to hear from you again, Doug. Where are we going to start, Lou? Uh, Well, let's start talking about the um, properties that we take care of in the area. Uh, Josh is with the Commercial Landscape Services Division. And so they do maintenance on some some fascinating high-profile properties here in the nation's capital. Uh, Besides the ones that they do, our residential division, uh, the tree care division also takes care of trees for some fascinating historical properties as well but but we'll start with Josh talking about some of the properties that that he's on on a regular basis. Sure, yeah, appreciate that, Lou. Uh yeah, so as Lou said, we we are blessed to to be uh uh performing work for a lot of prestigious sites uh that we have here in the area in the in the DC and Maryland area. Uh we do things with you know from grounds maintenance, we do enhancements projects to to large installs uh hardscaping work, you know, tons of elements within the landscape side of this world. Uh, we, we perform these services for, uh, again, a lot of high-profile federal sites. Department of Justice, uh, we do the National Archives. We actually picked that up here recently, uh, this summer, earlier, about three months ago. We started the National Archives, both both locations. They have a uh, museum, obviously, is what they where they house the Bill of Rights and the, and the Declaration of Independence is in that museum in Washington, right there on Constitution Avenue, and then we do the, uh, their other campus is in uh, College Park, Maryland. And we do that as well.
0: And Lou, how about for you? What, do you? what is a historic property that you're thinking about talking about?
1: Yeah, one of the really cool ones is the Armed Forces Retirement Home. Uh, it's also known as the Soldiers and Airmen Housing. It, it's, a, it's a retirement community for a lot of our veterans. Uh, but originally, it was the summer home for Lincoln. So uh, President Lincoln had a summer cottage. Uh, so back, you know, in the mid-1800s, uh, D.C., which is built in the swamp pretty much, gets very humid in the summer. So a lot of the folks had uh, housing up in the hills surrounding the city that they would go to to cool down. And so the Lincoln Cottage is obviously a historic building on the grounds of the Soldiers and Airmen's uh, property that Lincoln would, would summer in. And there's a number of large trees on the campus. One of them is an Osage Orange. Uh, which right now, at this time of year, being early November, these are the ones that have the big green balls that fall down, the seed pods. We used to call them monkey brains when I was a kid. Uh, go by many different uh, regional <laughs> yeah. names. But uh, this Osage orange is enormous. It's, I would say, probably three and a half to four feet in diameter. Um, it's got a really interesting growth pattern where it's kind of growing sideways over time. But legend has it that Lincoln wrote the Emancipation Proclamation while sitting under this tree in the shade of the summertime, so um, fascinating tree for that historical aspect.
0: Well, there's a lot of pressure on uh, taking care of a tree like that, you know, with that kind of storied history, do you do, are, are is there anything special that needs
1: to be done be, because of its provenance, or yeah, I mean, I would love to say that we treat every tree with the same level of respect and love. But yes, we do treat the uh, the the showcase trees a little more. So yeah, we just keep an eye on it more throughout the year. You know, Josh's team has the maintenance of that site. So they're there weekly, and they're always taking a peek at the tree to make sure that everything looks great. As soon as there are signs of distress or changes, he lets the residential team know so that they can Come in with plant healthcare initiatives or pruning needs to uh, ensure the longevity of that tree.
0: Well, I know sage orange is a pretty
1: tough tree, right? That's the good news. That is, is, yeah, yeah, (laughs) tough to mess with those.
0: Uh, When I was a kid, uh, we used to throw those monkey brains at each other, and they
1: hurt. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, (laughs) quite a bit.
0: (laughs) So, Lou, talk a little bit about the feeling of working at these amazing places. You know, you're used to being there, but for us a lot of us we might see that once or twice in a lifetime you know let's let's visit dc let's visit you know but you guys are there all the time talk about uh taking care of all that that uh important uh landscape
1: yeah i mean i like i said i'm from ohio i moved out of here five years ago and i still get star starstruck by a lot of these sites you know when we're driving around DC to uh, meet with new clients and we pass by, uh, well, Department of Treasury, for instance, and you go, that's just, the, that's not a real place. That's just something they talk about in an NPR. And there's a building with people walking in and out of it. Uh, <laughs> when we're on the Beltway on 495 and um, Air Force One flies over, or Marine One, we see all the time, the choppers flying over. And it, it just feels surreal sometimes. These sites, like Josh says, they bring a lot of pride to us. Um, it's a real feather in our cap to be working for the federal government on a lot of these properties. You know, uh, our crews really take it to heart. You know, that's that's the neat thing is when when the crews start talking about how much they like working on these sites because of the feeling it gives them you know, these are the kinds of things where I'll I'll call back home to my mom and say, "Hey, Mom, guess what site we're on today? I'm 40 (laughs) years old, and I still get excited about that, you know, put this on the fridge, we're working at the archives, you know, it's, it's, it's just a neat feeling. Uh, And, and to be a part of an organization that has access to these, and has the ability to service them in the way that they deserve is just special.
0: All right, guys. Thanks so much for sharing all those interesting stories. It must just be fascinating to work on properties like that. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to some of the other people in Davy and seeing what across the country, what they're doing too. So thanks again. It was great to talk to both of you.
1: Definitely. Thank you for having us. Always good to see you, Doug. Thanks so much.
0: And Lou, I'll see you in January. This, oh, well, you I'll, I'll, be in, <laughs> I'll be in Baltimore for my trade show. And- I, re-
1: I registered last week. I'll be there.
0: All right. We'll 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 finally get to meet up in person. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, guys.
1: Definitely. Take care. Thanks, Doug. I'm joined
0: by Michaela Minis. She is a utility vegetation management technician for the Davey Resource Group in Austin, Texas. And today we're talking all about the uh, beautiful neighborhoods in Austin that you work in. Right, Michaela?
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: So first off, just tell me a little bit about that job. What does that mean?
2: Yeah, so um, I create work plans for um, the tree trimmers um, that basically detail, um, you know, any vegetation that needs management around Austin Energy facilities. So power lines, poles, street lights, things like that. Um, I spend most of my day outside inspecting different properties and different Austin Energy facilities on those properties and, you know, planning what needs to be done to keep our electricity running.
0: Yeah, and so I think I would think that would have to be uh, an interesting job because everybody that when they see you out there looking at their your, their trees, they're thinking like, "Uh oh, what is she going to do to my tree?"
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have people coming up to me all the time. Even you know, if it's not their property that I'm on, people seem to be interested in what I'm doing.
0: So we're talking all about uh, some of the cool places that uh, Davy takes care of. And you mentioned that you just loved working in these historic neighborhoods. Paint me a picture. I don't know anything about Austin, okay, except that it's a cool music town. That's all I know. Uh, So tell me about these historic neighborhoods. Why is that something that's important for you? Yeah, so
2: I actually just moved to Austin about eight months ago now. And um, this job was really my intro to exploring the city of Austin and one of the first circuits that I worked on on my own after my training was um, right in the heart of downtown Austin and there's this big historic district it's called Castle Hill Um, and that's because the kind of the western side of Austin is really hilly and there's actually this old castle that was built in, I think, like the 1860s. Um, That's right up on top of a hill over on the west side of the downtown um, historic district. And so I was planning in that area and I was walking up a hill to this property that I had to inspect. And all of a sudden I was at the top and I looked out kind of through someone's uh, big mansion patio kind of part of their house and i could see the entire city from up top on that hill the capitol building and the rolling hills and the skyline and everything um so it's it's really gorgeous with all the hills and there's really old you know huge acre mansions and historic hotels and you know And there's these big, beautiful, old live oaks that I've never seen before. They're kind of all, the really old ones are all curvy and they're just really beautiful. It's like nothing I've ever seen before.
0: Well, that leads me to my next question. You see a lot of these amazing, beautiful, historic properties, but certainly a lot of beautiful, historic trees, too. Talk about some of the species that you're learning about there in in Austin.
2: Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, my... Definitely my favorite species that's brand new to me since I moved here to Austin are the live oaks. They're some of the oldest trees I've ever seen, and the biggest and the most beautiful. Um, so I really, really love those. Um, and there's also um, this uh species of like bush, kind of called purple sage. And they have these pale greenish-grayish Leaves and these really beautiful purple flowers. So those are some of my favorites.
0: And so tell me a little bit about decision making and looking at like a big live oak and seeing where it's in the wires and like, oh boy, I don't know, you know, we're gonna have to do this, we're gonna have to do that. Again, I I think that as somebody who would own one of those trees, they're gonna be you know, they certainly don't want it up in the wires. So just talk a little bit about that that whole process.
2: Yeah, so um, that's that happens to me daily, multiple times daily, where I come across a really big live oak that has branches and large limbs up in the wires. And most people are very, very against us touching their oaks at all. But luckily, um, in Austin, we have um, heritage tree and protected tree guidelines that we have to follow. So there's a whole process of permitting that we have to go through if we're, you know, either wanting to remove a tree that's of a certain size and species, Um, or removing a certain percent of a canopy of a tree. Um, And so luckily we do have a lot of leeway that we can offer people. Um, You know, there's avenues that we can go down where we can request reduced clearances for large heritage or protected trees like these old live oaks.
0: Tell me a little bit about what you get out of your job. Why do you like it?
2: I love spending my entire day outside and like I said, I've only been in Austin for eight months, but I know this city better than any city I've ever lived in. I've gotten to explore it so thoroughly. And not only that, I, I talk to so many people throughout the city. I feel like I really know the people here in the neighborhoods because I've just spoken to so many of them through the process of my work.
0: And how did you get into this as a job?
2: So... I actually just graduated um, about a year ago now, and I got my degree in environmental studies. So I knew I wanted to do something, um, you know, related to nature, and I wanted to work outside. Um, And this just kind of seemed like a good starting point for me to get involved with natural resource management and getting closer to kind of... um, you know, some sort of position in conservation and, you know, helping the environment.
0: So where I'm over in the Northeast, you know, we're enjoying uh, these beautiful fall colors. Tell me about fall this time of the year in Austin.
2: Yeah, so I actually, I grew up in Ohio and I went to school at the University of Vermont, which is the Capital of leaf peeping and, and, you know, colors changing in the fall. So it's been a huge change for me to be here in October and the leaves aren't changing and it's not cold. It still feels like summertime. So that's been a big change for me. But, um, summer is my favorite season. So I've been enjoying my reprieve from the cold.
0: Well, we're a little bit jealous of you for those temperatures down there, but uh, we're doing our leaf peeping up here. All right, Michaela, thank you so much for your time. Good stuff, and enjoy your time in Austin.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, now we're headed over to the West Coast, to California. We're talking with Michael Bova. He's Principal Consultant and Project Developer for the Davy Resource Group, and we're talking about a pretty amazing place. I think everyone knows about it. The Hearst Castle. Uh, so Michael, tell me first, you've known about this place for a long time before you worked on there as a, a, a Davy person, right?
3: That's correct. Yes. I I've, I've lived in the area for almost 30 years and has had I've had many occasions to, to visit the site, both as a touristy person and then one that uh, has done some specific guidance and, and work on on the property. So seeing it from different angles for sure over the years.
0: Well, paint a picture for me. What, what is Hearst Castle then for people who don't know what it is?
3: So Hearst Castle was, was um, for those that, that might remember the name, William Randolph Hearst um, pretty much developed the castle um, in the early 1900s but originally his father purchased, I think it was 200,000 acres along the, the central coast there of California. And um, William inherited that and bought more to where it was probably three, 400,000 acres along that coast. Pristine, still primarily undeveloped, undeveloped property. And what he did was down below in the actual beach area of San Simeon, there was a small airport and a big dock or pier that was built and movie stars would come in and spend, you know, a week or more at the property. Um, And so that beach is still available. And I've, I've gone to that beach dozens of times over, over the course of my time living in this area. So um, eventually um, his, his, his influence kind of waned. The Hearst Corporation took it over and it's still a big land holder in the area. Uh, a lot of cattle and other developments that they do um, all the way up to, to uh, the, the mid coastal range within, within San Luis Obispo County. Um, I don't remember the, the dates, but eventually the state of California, the park system took over the property And has been managing it for years. And there's public tours and they do a lot of nighttime tours, uh, renaissance times. They they do a lot of unique things. So um, you can you can go there at night and do a period tour where everybody's dressed in in the 30s and 40s. Um, And so there's there's a, a extreme amount of history there. Um, but the, but the property and the coastline is still undeveloped and, and is probably going to remain that way for a long, long time.
0: So how was it that you were able to go there as a tree expert?
3: Um, we were reached out by the park system um, during COVID. Uh, the park was closed and they were doing a lot more infrastructure improvements within the property. And there was a particular tree that they were concerned about, and so we were we were asked to to look at this tree and do a risk assessment on it. Uh, but the the cool thing was we we'll we were able to be there at a time where nobody else was, and so uh, middle of the day, no tourists, just work going on, and and we were guided around and got to learn a lot more about the history, the type of plants that that uh, William Hurst. Um, Planted there over the years, some of the landscape designs that were unique to that property and a lot of just, for instance, a lot of the um, tile work that you walk on is from Italy or, you know, it had been imported over the years into that property. So very valuable infrastructure that the trees are planted around. Um, And one other note there, uh, he was really big on on not just cattle, but, but interested in in raising other animals. And so you can, you can see from Pacific Coast Highway that runs through the property, uh, zebras out running around with horses. Um, he had experimented with giraffes and bison and, and different other critters to try to try to see about the the value of them to, to raise them, but zebras still roam wild there. And it's, it's kind of neat to see. Um, and then down at the beach part of San Simeon is, is, uh, famous for the elephant seals. And so you'll see just hundreds of elephant seals lining the beach down near, near that property. So really, really neat overall. Um, we help them guide some maintenance on this particular tree and, um, we're still in touch and we, we, we hope to get back on the property at some point.
0: Well, that's a pretty unique property to say the least. Now I know you can't talk about specifics on that tree, but in general, when you do go to a property, tell me a little bit about a risk assessment on a tree. What are, what are you looking for? What are you doing when you, when you show up at a place like that? Is it any different for a unique property than my house?
3: Uh, not necessarily because what you're looking for is, is what, what are the targets? And so if there's no target, then there's no risk. The, the tree will fall apart and land on the ground and not, not hit anything. Therefore, the, the risk is, is zero in that sense. Uh, but this particular situation and many others, if the target value is such that it's has high frequency of use, or has high value targets like these marble structures or sculptures and and tile work and things like that that are not replaceable in any way, then then the, the value is high. And so you're looking to see the likelihood, the probability of, of something failing. And if it does fail, what's the likelihood of it impacting the target? And then what would those consequences be uh, of that? And you end up with a rating of sorts and then you you can make mitigation decisions on do we remove the tree do we remove a branch um, you know how do we minimize the risk and then does that minimization get to the point where the tree owner is accepting that risk and in other words okay if I do these things it still might fail but the impact is going to be less and so you you walk the the tree owner through all these all these scenarios and then make some decisions on, on whether or not to, to keep the tree. Sometimes it's as simple as moving the target. So you have a picnic table or a bench or a, a play structure or something like that. If you move the target, then you've eliminated the risk. And so sometimes it's as simple as that. Sometimes it's as simple as excluding targets, putting up a fence around and, and keeping people from being within that within that zone. But if it's a garage and you have your Model A sitting inside there, you're not moving that. And so um, so some decisions might unfortunately end up removing a tree versus um, trying to protect it and reduce the risk. So a lot goes into it, but ultimately we, we try to speak for the trees and give them as much chance as possible to, to live out their useful life before, before they're taken out.
0: Before I let you go, since, since that was closed at the time, that had to be really cool to be on site there without all the other people, you know, just other workers and such talk a little bit about that experience if you don't mind.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because um, I've been on other clients of, of mine that are, are high profile clients that have, you know, thousands of visitors every day. And um, to be, to be in any of those properties during that time, you had um, oh wildlife kind of taking over. Uh, this particular tree had a fox den. It appeared to be a fox den, but those the 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 wildlife, for instance, wouldn't have been there normally. And so things things um, a lot of ducks and a lot of you know things were there that you would not see normally. Uh, but the, the quietness, the, the, the views from there are amazing. You can see all the way down the coastline. And it was to, to just listen and, and be there. It was a beautiful day in, the, in July. So it, it, uh, it just felt unique. You could, you could almost imagine having lived there during that time where there wasn't the, all the people and there wasn't all the noise. And so so that was unique and and yes it was somewhat unkept in other words they weren't necessarily taking care of certain planters and certain things because they had limited staff as well if you think about during the pandemic they those employees weren't necessarily working and taking care of things so so they they only took care of what they really needed to to, to, to maintain the uh, functionality of the property so You could see that there was going to be a lot of work needing to be done once before they opened up again. Um, And so they they were definitely working on the roads and things. But just that that solitude and that feeling, you know, you could you would wanted to just sit there, you know, for for hours if you want and break out a lunch and and take in the views and things. So very unique to be on a property that is normally just hustling and bustling to be there when nobody was there. So, um, and our function was essential. And, and so we were, we were definitely able to be there during that time of year.
0: Well, Michael, I'm going to leave it right there that I, I don't know any better way to finish it off than that. That was just, that certainly paints the picture of, of being at such a prestigious, unique property and, you know, helping people out with that tree. I want to thank you very much for your time and sharing those great stories. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Fun to hear everyone talk about those special places, that's for sure. Now, tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Next week, in honor of Thanksgiving, trees to be thankful for. Which trees provide us with many benefits? That'll be interesting. And do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. And as always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast trees are the answer.